Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell-West. Uh, this is our first uh, post-autumnal equinox broadcast, and the shadows are lengthening here in Buckinghamshire. We're and, even inside. Well, yeah, yeah, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to risk the plague or being crapped on by the, those bloody great red kites that keep circling overhead. They just want to know if you're dead. I'm not dead yet, you bastards! I, you have to shout that in High Wigan. <laughs> um, and this month, what are we talking about this month, Roger? Well, uh, how do people learn role-playing games? Do you get it from somebody else? Do you buy the book? Something else. And why I am not currently enthusiastic. I'm, uh, I'm having a bit of a rant. And rich, detailed role-playing game settings. Is there still a place for them? Is there a place for them if you want a huge company? Onwards. Right, Roger, sit back, put your feet up for a while. This may be a slight rant. Um... This springs out of something I was trying to write for the nice chaps at the Grognard Files who are putting out um, their annual, annual, uh, their uh, paper fanzine once a year. And I was trying to get an article together for them and failed because I found I was getting a bit whiny. And honestly, I don't, I, I, I was, I was being rude to my players last month about them being whiny. But if you can't whine on your own podcast, where can you whine? Well, well, yes. Yeah, so here I am um, to to bring out uh, to bring out the wine. Um, the topic of my uh, epic um, essay attempt to get my thoughts together uh, was why I don't get excited anymore, and the fact that I'm sixty three may have something to do with it. But I remember when I started out in this and caught this hobby. I remember that I was there at the opening of uh, the Games Workshop at Dalling Roads, lining up outside in the vain hope against hope, and I uh, hope that was not realised, that I might pick up one of the cheap copies of Empire of the Petal Throne that they were uh, <laughs> giving. And it did not seem to me then an unreasonable thing to do to risk uh, a morning standing around uh, looking like an idiot um, on the off chance of getting something that excited me. And later on, I remember opening a copy of Different Worlds, I think it was, and seeing the first adverts for Paranoia, which talked about uh, trusting no one, keeping your laser handy, and the chances of uh, traitors being remade into reactor shielding. And I thought, this game I must have, I must have it, it must be mine. And I don't seem to get that any longer. And I'm wondering if it's just me, and as I've aforesaid, being old, because, you know, excitement is hard to come by. Uh, well, it's not know. just you. Yeah. Because to, to a large extent, it's me too. Uh, I have... In fact, you probably buy more role-playing games than I do. Um, I can't buy them. Uh, uh, I, 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 have a fa- I have a fair collection, yeah. And I, I buy GURPS. Um, pretty much GURPS supplies what I want out of gaming. Uh, there's the occasional interesting setting I might see somewhere else. Yeah, you are not you are not system wise uh, a great explorer. Well, I have been. I, I yeah. explored a lot of systems, and then I found GURPS, and it did what I wanted, so I stuck with it. Yeah, that's that. That's that's well. Uh, all right, I, I will admit I I have occasional fantasies of GURPS four point five. Uh, with, you, with you, with you, with you, with you, Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> just a few, just a, just those those few things that that, that annoy you that could, that could, that could be fixed and done the right way. Ten uh, years later, <laughs> those are those are called house rules, Roger. Well, I'm I, I'm fairly content with Gertz for what it is myself, but I do like to try new things out, but. I think over the years I have been a little bit too frequently disappointed. I remember I went to quite extraordinary lengths to get hold of a copy of Aria, Canticle of the Monomyth. I remember that. I knew somebody who had a copy. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, he and I were, were one of the unlucky ones. It, <laughs> it promised to be a game which allowed you to play the great sweeps of history, the the developments of society, the the... the 
the, the civilizations and armies and societies all and no it wasn't it was it was a bunch of look of lockeria and 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 badly thought out sentences and the most pretentious bloody vocabulary that i've ever, ever come across in, in a game and the only pleasure i got out of it was um was writing a really scathing review for it hey. but thing is now years later there are games which will do some if not all of the things that uh, Ari was promising and I didn't get excited then. Mm, the closest I've met to that, I think, is Microscope that we've talked about before. Microscope. Um, and it, it clearly has lots of weak points, in part because it is deliberately skeletal. It, it's not trying to be a set of rules for evolving a society. No, it's it's not. trying to be a set of rules for saying, here is a neat thing that would happen. How can we string it together with the it's, other it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a game for creating histories and legends and the great story of a nation and not the individual stories of the little uh, of the little people except as sidelights on the nation well even the people who enjoy it say that the drilling down bit is is the weakest aspect mm. the, the bit where you're theoretically supposed to play out a scene from the, yeah the, the crucial scene where you know the assassin kills the emperor or whatever yeah it is it is well it's not it's not mechanically well found but as a as a system it does some remarkable things and yeah. I've, I've seen Good things done with it, but as I say, I, it 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 did not get my heart pounding. It did, I did not cry at last. And the last occasions on which I can remember this happening were in the nineteen nineties with games like Over the Edge and Everway, which I've ranted about before. And at the moment, though, we're in the as far as I can tell, we're in the the historic stage of the of the art where the impetus started by Over the Edge, Everway, and the early indies is still going. There is, there's starting to be a set of um, orthodox assumptions about games which aren't being excitingly challenged for me. Maybe I'm not looking in the right place, and maybe some of the stuff that they're coming up with isn't the sort of thing that excites me. Emily Kerr Boss's romance trilogy is, that was a wonderful thing for the people who like that kind of thing. But, well, yeah, one of the big problems for me... is not bursting into me. Yeah, go on. It's, it, it's something I know we've talked about before. Um, and I think it is one of the orthodoxies of a modern role-playing game mm. that you should accept this, that a lot of the time you're going to be stepping back from immersion in the character and into a writer, storyteller, editor sort of... Yeah, perspective. That is, that that is one of the yeah. what, what would be a yes. really horrible thing that would happen to this character that's going to be good for for his overall story, as yeah. opposed to how the hell do I get out of this? Yeah, I like I I like to be down close to the feelings of the of the character, and I uh, playing in your um, Royal Navy in space game. Mm. I can see that. Uh, my character, um, Lieutenant Keane, um, by name, Keane by nature, um, is not as good as he thinks he is and not as likely to make captain by the age of 30 as some of his comrades are. And that's where his point in the story is. Yeah. But when I'm playing him, it's... I'm going to do my damnedest. I am. I am the most capable officer present, and and my advice is valuable. And, and what I say will get done. Yeah. In, in another game, um, the the um, Cabal meets Infinite Worlds. Mm. Uh, my my character has all sorts of plans as to how how she would like to warp the society of her homeworld. Mm. It's the other character's homeworld as well, mostly. But yeah, never mind that. They don't care. Um, but that's not something we do in game. That is, that is something where I will exchange a few emails with the GM. Mm. So th this is the broad thing. And okay, after after a few exchanges, you said right. Well, th this is a specific thing she might be working on in downtime. Mm. But that's really about it. And frankly, large parts of what I thought her story might originally be have gone sideways because other things have happened in the game, and that's mm. not a bad thing. No, but. Life is what hap we're we're exploring these people's life, and life is what happens while you're making other plans. Mm. One other thing that worries me about the modern um, state of 
um, role-playing games is the number of remakes. Yeah. Now, I think there is an interesting thing about nostalgia. Nostalgia appeals to people who weren't there at the time. But but Roger, as we have established at great at great length um, during these these podcasts, I was there much. Of the yes, time. and nostalgia mostly doesn't appeal to you. That, that's the point. Yeah, and I, I know two people who've played Superhero Twenty Forty Four and have, have mentioned it in public. You're one of them. Yeah. Um, Can the, I just say at this moment in time, I was not that thrilled though. Though Fart Man um, and Bee Man are, are, are engraved in my memory. We, we were young. It was early, you know. And the, the other guy, uh, Bill Stoddard, as far as I can tell, seems to regard it more as an interesting historical curiosity than it was than a game he particularly wants to play again. It was. I mean, it's something to be made note, note of. There are there are two interesting things in it: the division of uh, of the types of supers, uh, which is which is engraved pretty much in most of the latest role playing games, because it's true there is the techie, there is the uberman like. Like uh, the the highly trained human, and there is the unique. Um, so, so it's a division of source of power rather than effect. Uh, yeah, and well, so, source of power and how how and origin and origin. It's um, which also limits. It's Iron Man, Batman, and Superman as the as the yeah as the primary ar- archetypes, and they uh, and 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 also there was a. Patrol me- mecha- mechanism, which was terribly clunky and terribly um, game mechanical, but it did actually uh, ask the question: What happens on on routine days for your for your superhero? How does how does he get through the, through the days? And properly executed, that could be a great story generator. Yeah, uh, one of the things I've noticed looking at uh, early role playing games is an awful lot of them. I, I I didn't notice this at the time. I'm sure it was true at the time. Uh, are basically saying, okay, here here is how to handle the combat, mm. and here is how to generate a character, and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. Because you know, your superheroes, you know what superheroes do, or you know what people do when they go down a dungeon, or yeah, and and when that's true, you probably don't need that much more. But a, a, a lot of that does then spread into. Um, Oh yeah, where, where, where GURPS has its time spent out of adventure, so you can do training and things. Mm. Um, you, you might have something like the, the, there's that patrol system, or um, um, there, there was one World War Two game we talked about a while back, where essentially the experience system was: if you survived the battle, you might you might go up <laughs> a level in gun skill. Um, but but it's clearly you know, here here is essentially a war game that you can play repeatedly, and any role playing content you put into it is something that you put there. Yeah, I think for the early, uh, yeah, for the early, uh, for the early role-playing games, the epitome of that is uh, is on guard, where which mm. has a much better battle survival system, which says uh, either you survived or you didn't, either you picked up some loot or you didn't, and either you got promoted or you got a mention in dispatched. Maybe you might even get knighted or you didn't. I am distinctly tempted to, to try to reverse engineer the on guard book into a working set of rules. It will take that. I've been skimming the rules. <laughs> it, it's it's really not. Yeah. Okay, it's been 40 years-ish. Yeah. We know how to write rules better now. I can't blame Frank Chadwick or whoever it was. Well, it, it works beautifully as a, as a postal game. And, it's in, and, and in postal... Gaming, where you can create uh, role playing just in the correspondence and the, and, and the publication, mm. it works beautifully. But yes, as a, I'm, I'm not looked at any of the uh, of the uh, Three Musketeers styled based um, games that they've got at the moment, but I very much doubt if they'd be much like um, uh, On Guard. Last of those I played was Lace and Steel, which had that card system. Yeah, oh, no, and. Uh, the main thing about Lace and Steel, as I think we've said before, was the art, which was uh, Donna Barr and really mm-hmm. lovely. Now, getting back to, to, to remakes, yeah. part of this is driven by the fact that a new edition is a new profit line. What was, it, what was the game you were talking about that was kick-started to its seventh edition? Battle Lords of the 23rd Century. I have not had the honour of... There are a couple of copies of it lurking behind you. I, th- I think it's uh, second and third editions maybe I still have. So, so what was it, and why did it need seven editions, for goodness sake? 
Well, I don't know about previous editions. I'd, I'd had no idea it was still going. Um, mm. Basically, gradual refinements of the rules. The errata got too heavy. They decided let's let's to put out a new edition. It's hey, it's a new year. After all, it's a new Gen Con. We can sell stuff out. Mm, yeah, quite. I, I find do find it distinctly interesting that none of the original creators is involved with this, yeah. and, and that that is a recurring pattern. You know, the, the the original writers have gone off and done other things. They're not interested anymore. Mm. Whether whether through success or failure, they don't want to do the thing again. Mm. Um, so they sell the rights, and then then it it does seem to be a standard thing. Aspiring role-playing writers are now doing. They were buying the rights to a name, named game, do, and doing a Kickstarter for a new edition of it. Yeah, and this strikes me as sen- uh, well. It may be slightly more sensible than the people who bought the rights to the name of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the right to do a new movie on the grounds that the fans would never notice any difference. Um, mm. uh, and I and I remember RuneQuest Slayers, which is probably the role-playing game equivalent of that. To be fair, quite often it's pretty clear that the people who are doing the buying have chosen the thing they buy because they're fans of it, because they like it. So that's at least a good start. Let's face it, if you're in the role-playing business and make big pots of money... You're insane. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, Lee Williams... uh, commented on our last episode to say that there is the there is a new fourth edition Dark Conspiracy coming out uh, due, due next year out from Urwerk mm. Verlag, a uh, German publisher, but they're going to be producing it in English. And, okay, it's it's a mysterious thing that nobody knows about yet. If they haven't announced any details. Mm. So, so I feel safe in um, bashing it w- without anybody accusing me of getting it wrong. Uh, what follows is wi- wi- wild uh, and random speculation, well, and not intended to be slanderous towards anybody, because we can't afford the lawyers, honestly. Yeah, never sue poor people. Um, but, okay, I liked Dark Conspiracy. I, I especially liked the setting. I wasn't a big fan of the system, which was the GTW house system. Yeah, it's okay, yeah. it's nothing special. Um, I played a fair bit of first and second edition. I never really got into third, and, and they have uh, gone bust since. But what is this game going to offer me that I don't already have from the original books, mm. which, to be fair, I do still have. Clearly a lot of people don't. Um, plus a solid rule system. Yeah. Which, for me, would be guts for somebody else could be Savage Worlds. Yeah, whatever system you like and are happy running things in. Now, you could do it in Call of Cthulhu very, very easily. And what does a fourth edition have to say to me that yeah. won't be already there? Yeah, well, given the your, your... That, that's why I don't get enthusiastic about role playing kickstarters. Well, I, hmm, there are things I would like updates for, but it's mostly background stuff. Um, anything, and on the other hand, there's a there's a danger in that. If I would buy a new edition, an updated edition of GURPS IST, the International Super Teams thing, because mm. I liked it. I never actually ran it, but I like the uh, I like the system. I would buy. An... I, I believe the author has been trying to uh, negotiate to get something done along those lines. But, but on the other hand, I know I'm going to be irritated with and disappointed by some of the decisions that per- that person is going to that author is going to make. <laughs> um, uh, that that's the da- danger of it, and I, I know that any um, well, given the the length, depth of t- of time I've been running um, a brainstorm game. Several Bainstorm games. The 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 amount of accumulated cruff from my previous games is going to make um, even if Phil Masters and and Co could be persuaded to do a, a what is it, a ten year update from the last one. Uh, it would well, still... did did, did Bainstorm for fourth edition clash noticeably with the Bainstorm you'd already done at that point? Up to up to a certain point, yes. But I could I could I could overwrite that, and I have I have all right. I have done. Um, visible retcons, retcons that are visible to the player characters, I mean. <laughs> so um, I'm blamed, blamed on a dragon of their acquaintance. I I do get excited about some things, but not as excited as I did. One of the things I've noticed, you said that, um, that uh, the original authors don't get involved. On occasion, I've noticed they do get involved. And what they want to get involved in is redoing the game's with uh, that it would fit with their current vision of what role-playing games are. Yeah, true. This is a different class of role-playing Kickstarter. It's, it's things like the Paranoia mm, uh, recent yeah. edition. 
which actually I, I, I rather enjoyed and did, I, did, I didn't actively hate. I bought, I bought, I bought a copy, but um, I'm not sure. Sure, it's it's a viable way of doing paranoia anyway. But Robin Laws did. Uh, there, there is a point where you think where an author wants to think. I can simplify. I can simplify. I can simplify. And sometimes they simplify the flavour out of what you thought you had before, mm. and that that can be that can be uh, a mistake. But I've I've lost track. Is Feng Shui Two actually out now? Well, Feng Shui Two out has been out for for a couple of years now. Um, okay. It's it's not bad, but it does contain a lot of well. We'll get rid of that. We don't really need that. I still can't understand how to how, how the how the damned. Uh, 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 the damn uh, kung fu rules work, but uh, that's just that said. Um, to, to be fair, Feng Shui One did have did have baroque accumulations of craft, even in the base book. Um, mm. which, which one's Carnival of Carnage and which one's Ballet of Bullets? I can't remember. <laughs> they're, di- they're two different powers. Yes, but uh, but yeah, there there is a problem. There there are problems sometimes. I've I've recently learned that Greg Stolze, God bless you, Greg Stolze, if you're listening, um, is planning to do a, a a new edition of Rain, and Rain is one of the things that does still get me excited. I'm just hoping that he isn't going to simplify all the neat things out of it, but maybe maybe he will make it better. I've, I'm almost excited by the prospect that he will make it better. Hmm. But um, I must admit, what I mostly tripped up over was the one roll engine when I was looking at Rain, which is not a problem unique to it, of course. No. Well, it is... I, I like to be able to work out at least roughly what, what my odds of success are when I'm choosing what to do. Yeah, and you am, am I choosing that... between a, hard, a, a, a difficult thing that I might just manage and an easy thing, or am I choosing between two things that are practically equally difficult? It's not an intuitive system, no, but it is... Flexible and fairly fast, and yeah, I I, I rather I rather enjoy. It. I must focus my own mind on it. But one depressing thing that got said to me by Robin Laws out loud on uh, on 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 their podcast is that um, when you are a playtester, by the time it reaches playtesting stage, the author has made up his mind about what he wants. And is only looking for minor tweets, tweets. Did I say tweet? Minor tweaks, and and point out, pointing out outright errors, rather than saying your entire design philosophy is wrong. This is not universally true of my experience of playtests. All right, your entire design philosophy is wrong might be going a little far. Um, All right. So what did you say? Well, I've been involved in playtests where the author was essentially told, you need a whole new chapter on this and you're going to have to trim the other stuff to fit. Mm. Well, that's, yeah. That's and, and, and it was probably the right answer because the end resulting book was quite good. But um, Okay. I'm going to say... Hmm. I'm going to say that what I feel at the moment in, in gaming is that we're in a sort of lull stage. The last wave of um excitement the in and it's still producing wonderful stuff and i'm still buying a lot of it but we're not at the crest of a wave we're at the the training up off bit and i think what i hope for is that there's going to be another another big inspiration of something new before yeah. I, I before I shuffle off this mortal coil, so I can enjoy a bit of it. Yeah, I, I hope it is not required technological mediation because mm. I have seen lots of attempts at that, and none of them is a patch on the real thing yet. When when we come to plug it, plug your brain directly into the computer, you'll understand, my boy. You'll understand. Yes, I understand. We shall pass on. <laughs> listener, Brett Evel, writes that some years ago he devised a setting for his SF role-playing that was more or less exactly to his taste. Um, this has grown from a small document to a fairly huge one, or 
several huge ones. Mm-hmm. Random disorganised notes, but pe- people have who've played it or heard it being talked about and so on have, have said, yes, this is interesting. But uh, it, it's going to be novel-sized, you know, 100,000 words-ish. Mm-hmm. And that's an awful lot of stuff to ask even a GM to read, never mind players. Yeah. So is it even worth attempting this? Are large, detailed, systemless, uh, systemless setting Bibles e- even worth producing now? Well, uh, given that I have several of them on my shelves, you might be able to sell it to me. But I am perhaps at the extreme end of the of the bell curve on this. I own and um, enjoy uh, own just about everything for Tecumel I could find. I have all of Han, though I love it a good deal less than I do Tecumel, and I have a great deal of. All right, just about damn everything uh, for for Glorantha. So clearly, I like settings, but but how much can I make it my own? Professor Barker and Greg Stafford both make made it clear that your Glorantha, your Tecumel will vary. You will not. That there is no there is no setting police. You must change things as you as you go. This is one advantage of, of having one big book about it rather than a continuous stream of little ones. Yeah, I how I would organise that book. All right, well I've said this before, one of the best things I ever saw I've ever seen as a setting background is what my father told me. The series mm-hmm. of uh, of vignettes for RuneQuest originally. Uh, but for Glorantha, the background in which you have the world view of your particular character, your particular character's people explained. You are told who you are, where you come from, um, who your gods are, who your enemies are, what people's roles in society are. And that's on what? Two A4 sides, which I know pushes your limit for what people <laughs> want to. Uh, Want, want to read, but that much you need as a here you are, this is where you start thing. And I think the same is true for a GM. Yeah. It's not going to take the same form. The thing that occurred to me um, thinking about this is, is the term fractal setting design, Ooh, by well, which I mean. We, I think we should trademark that right now. <laughs> fractal setting design, TM, is, is a an initial document that is small, mm. a few sides of A4. But it should at least make you let you make out the the vague fuzzy outline of mm. any other bit of it. Yeah, this is defining the entire world. It obviously can't go into much detail, but there should not be anything vastly surprising when you do drill down to, mm. you know, the the exact procedures for having your ship inspected when it comes into orbit around a new planet or something. Mm. Most worlds work like this. Go yeah. up a level. Most travel works like this, and so on. Call it principle of least surprise, if you like. Yeah, I, and you, you, you shouldn't need to read the document about World X until the players are thinking about going to World X. You should probably, you should probably need to to read the the briefing for that sector, um, or the region. Yeah, region because, Y, because that will say World X has has its uh, spies in in these other places. You should know that 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 this region borders upon that foreign uh, alien, that hostile alien power over there. You should, yeah, you should have. The trouble is, the best way to learn what a setting is about is at right the other end, mm. is with um, a particular a particular planet, a particular town, um, and 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 where where your characters start out from, where they're their base is from. Well, consider, consider what's been said a few times about dungeon fantasy, that uh, what you need is basically the town and the dungeon, if, you, yeah. if you're being classically purist about it. Yeah, well, that is that is about as, as straightforward as you can get. And let's and, not to ask any questions about where the supplies come from. Or... Well, that, that's the thing. My, my, what, what I want to do is go up from there really quite fast, and I'm going to have awkward questions as a GM, never mind as a player. Um, mm. You know... 
if I if I want to get a really good sword rather rather than just another standard one to replace the one that broke, is that something I can do? Uh, do we have the craftsman here? Do I have to send away for it? Uh, how does the king feel about this? Is there a king? Yeah, um, and who, so uh, under whose authority is the magistrate going to going to fine you for being drunk and disorderly, or when you came back from the dungeon? Uh, does anybody care about people being drunk and disorderly? Does anybody care about the about about there being a brothel in town? And as a player, think? as a player, I can I can just about get away with that. But as a GM, I always want to know a little bit more. Mm. But what's one of the most entertaining things for a, for a GM and sometimes for players is the questions that players come up with, which aren't in the background. The things that they mm. that that the, the things that no nobody's thought thought of. And what I ask of a background book at that point is that it gives me the it gives me the structure to be able mm. to work out. Okay, clearly somebody in this world will have will have come across this problem. So, what is the answer they came up with? How yeah. do they think? Yeah, and what? Uh, hang on. And what interesting things can the um, uh, can the things I've already worked out imply about about yeah. this? Um, if the sword is sacred to one religion, then are you going to have to go to their temple and grovel? Um, are you going to have to convert to get yourself that new shiny uh, magic sword? What you're gonna What you're gonna have to to do is it does the does the fact that the Church of uh, of insane, insane environmentalists uh, dislike um, uh, dislikes uh, uh, anti aging drugs affect your chances of living past uh, your next aging check? <laughs> um, how yeah you need. Part of the, when I start out with a setting and I'm not sure of what's happening, I like to have the two ends fixed: the top end, the the uh, the, the the emperors and the gods and what have you, the emperors and the and the war and the war fleets and the and the the high high technology, and the low end. Fix the immediate place where you are. The the yeah. Well, you the back you, of you need something of of the low end simply because that's what the PCs are most immediately going to yeah. be interacting with. And then you have to fill in the bits between. The the other approach I thought on this was even if you have one single book with everything, mm. you're not going to be reading it all simultaneously. So uh, t- take uh, Wives and Sweethearts, Royal Navy campaign. Yeah. Um, there is an NPC who comes from the planet Belfagor. Mm-hmm. I know a little bit about the planet Belfagor. In, enough that I can play that NPC vainly, mm. consistently. And I, I've defined that essentially as a baseline standard world, yeah. plus these particular cultural tweaks. That's not something the players need to know about at this point. Isn't, isn't Belfagor the name of a demon? Yes. Oh, goody. Um... A demon that offers knowledge. It, it's a demon of sloth, because obviously learning things is, is a way of being lazy. I, I love medieval <laughs> theology. <laughs> no, no, learning things should be hard, but the demon pumps it directly into your brain and you will understand. Make, we... Yeah, but, but creating new things causes mankind to become more lazy because he doesn't have to work as hard and this is intrinsically bad. Yeah, that, by the sweat of the, the brow and thou shalt labour uh, and all that sort of thing. I, I but, have... but anyway, yeah. if at some point I do write the um, document all about Belfagor, it won't seriously change the way that NPC works because I've got enough of a framework to build on that I, I can mm. fill it in pretty much by working out what's uh, what follows from that. But we can expect surprises from that uh, NPC when his full background and the reason for it is is revealed. <laughs> Don't tell me it's the Mad Admiral. Don't tell me he's like that. No, be- no, it was one of your fellow cadets. All right, fine. Yeah, you're going to have to explain why the Mad Admiral is mad and why he's still there, aren't you? Oh, he's much better now. Yeah, yeah, he's taking the pills now, is he? They have TL11 surgery. Yeah, yeah, so they cut the madness. Now, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I would say um, one thing I've been read, one thing I reread recently was, R- was Eurasia, Grave of the Heavens, or whatever it's called. Which is a anime-inspired uh, light dungeon thing, and that follows the rules. It it 
put puts thing in put things into um basically three levels the upper level about the deep background the 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 death of the gods in the last war mm-hmm. and how many gods are left then the intermediate background which is the various island kingdoms and so and cultures that that are that, that are there and why they are like they are and they could be treated like the worlds of an SF campaign mm-hmm. as they they don't directly influence each other they the only in, in they yeah well they're, they're, there is travel people go to and fro and yeah. cultural things spread but you've got the the raw form in in each of the islands and then you you bore down to a couple of towns and cities and regions mm. where you know um the place you can start to build up but around the 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 detailed towns um there are regions which you can make your own by um by filling in the backgrounds with with characters with events with history <coughs> and i think that and then there are as a fourth tier, as I've just, which I've just thought of, there are things like the uh, the release about uh, the caravels that travel between the uh, between the uh, islands and and the sort of people you meet on them, uh, and so and and background about overarching cult- cultural things for the entire world, and so those are those that so high picture regional picture. Individual places mm-hmm. and um, and overarching topics. I think is 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 the classic way to do it. Really, I think it might be worth uh, mentioning rigidly find, defined areas of doubt and uncertainty. We've got to have rigidly defined areas of doubt and I uncertainty. I can't offhand think of any examples, but there certainly have been several role playing settings where it was explicitly said, "We are never going to develop this particular kingdom." This, this is or whatever. This, this is something that, that individual GMs can mess about with. Yeah, well, Grantha, I think the the blank lands of Grantha was the was the first bit. Though they have allowed some blank lands to uh, to be um, formally developed in, in later later iterations of the world, and the other that I can think of, which is actually intended to never be developed. Is the areas of doubt and uncertainty in Innominy, mostly because it allows you to tiptoe around some of the delicate stuff, <laughs> and you know not to actually specify um, whether Islam was divinely inspired or not, and whether uh, Jesus was the Son of God or not. It allows the angels to fight amongst themselves. <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking of my favourite Unicode character, Multiocular O, uh-huh. which comes in some Church Slavonic. Where it's describing many-eyed angels, right? <laughs> this, this is apparently common enough that it gets its own Unicode code point. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. He doesn't look like he doesn't look like a a, a, a winged, many-eyed serpent to me. He's a seraph. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> On the side of um, production, publication, commercial or otherwise. Yeah. I think the first thing to say is that the vast majority of gaming is still dungeon bashing. Yeah. As a direct result of that, I think, the vast majority of gaming is done in somebody else's world, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's an untapped market of gamers looking for a more interesting world to play in. Um, it's tr- there is what, a lot what is a current science fiction game system that a lot of people are playing? Uh, Traveller, he said, obviously. Did- yeah, I guess it's still out there. Uh, a new, new edition, just out. All oh, right, I should I should pick that up sometime. Uh, <laughs> the pounding I lose track of these things. Pounding pulse of the news is one of the things you do not have your finger on, isn't it? Not even slightly. But okay, ori- original little black books traveller did not really have a setting. Yeah, or it had an implicit setting, but it didn't say much about it. And then it gradually developed the Imperium, and and all the complexities of yeah. that. Um. Okay, I I haven't read that one, so I don't know how how generic it's trying to be these days. Well, the current, yeah, the 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 Imperium is still is even more ingrained in, but they have taken the system. Mongoose, I'm I'm thinking of at the moment, have taken the system and. Oh right, yeah, I, I have I have looked at Mongoose Traveler, which seemed very much like old Traveler. With it is, it's it, it's it, it's uh, it is taking uh, 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 the old system and actually improving it. It yeah. is one of the. One of the things that that counterpoints my rant earlier, 
um, even though I was never that that uh, that enthused by travel as a th as a thing, because I feel its assumptions are too are too limiting. But they have taken it and rejigged it to other than the Imperium. But those are very definitely different editions, different stuff. Mm. The latest release is a uh, is a set is a, is a kingdom within the Imperium, or I think on the the fringes which is in trouble and which has lots of little worlds where adventurers can go in as privateers, I think the idea uh, the Pirates is. Pirates of Drenax. Yeah. Uh, which, <coughs> in fact, I have played some of with Watson Hall. Ah, was it fun? Yes. All right, well, that is... That... Very unfocused, we, we thought. Yeah. I think it is intended to be... I, I, I think... I don't know. They may be attempting to avoid um, overarching... Um, what's it called? Metaplot. Metaplot, yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, it just occurs to me that if people are playing, say, FFG Star Wars, which is a game I hear, hear people talking yeah. about a lot at the moment, they've probably got into it not because they're saying, ooh, I want to play a science fiction game. Hmm. They've got into it because they're Star Wars fans. Yeah. Or at least they want to play a Star Wars sort of game, yeah. And at that, as far as I know, it's quite good. I haven't played it myself. Um, but... Those people are probably not in the market for Brett's flat black setting because they've got Star Wars. Yeah, the you need a unique set selling point. There, go go. I would say anybody thinking of publishing their own game setting, go and look through drive through RPG for things that and keywords that seem to associate, and then get get a little depressed about how much of the stuff that is out there. Some of it is. Is all right. Some of it is is not quite as good in presentation as Superhead Arrow twenty forty four, the first edition was, mm. and some of it is lovingly put put to put together. But all of it is out there, and all of it is competing. If you want to create something that's good, then and and release it and hope to get a little money out of it, then that is is sensible, and it's a work of love. Probably, I would suggest, as a bunch of small things rather than as one huge thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, how, how you do it that way. When I glance through Drive Through RPG, I see people I've heard of have big things mm. for you know, $10, $20, $30. People I haven't heard of have small things for $1, 2 or $5. Or pay as much as you wish. Yeah. Um, the, I would say you need... I don't know what... what you want something that will draw people in and get them interested in the setting and that will then allow them to pick up the individual bits and pieces of it. I would say... Yeah, I, I, particularly if you do it in a modular design, as we've been talking mm -hmm. about, it's it's probably an easier sell to have you know a total of 20 supplements at $10 each than $150 book, even though that's going to cost less. Yeah. Because um, people think, oh, well, I don't need all of it. And, no, we're role players, we're compulsive collectors. <laughs> Yeah, the, the yeah the it the thing I was going to say was, if you put out a free basic outline and sampler with an adventure in it, and which gives you the 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 the, the top level and an event, a thing that somebody could run in it. Then, which could also give a, a flavour of this is the sort of setting that this is. Yeah, this is the sort of thing that happens once you've got that and if people are interested then the the rest of the stuff the rest of the stuff they will want to pick up and explore and tinker with on their own i would like to give give a small plug to another valued listener uh, dr bob is publishing a series of short military sf scenarios mm -hmm. uh, many of which i believe we've we've uh, played at yeah. uh, stabcons and other things um th those are on drive through rpg they, they are not terribly expensive i, I admit bias in that I, I, I've proved some of them but that that I think is is a, a thing that is very low barrier to entry from the author's side I mean, yes mm. you need to get it looking reasonably neat you need to get some good maps and things yeah um, but people will be forgiving if you don't have a um, huge expensive painting for your cover art for example yeah I, I came across I was, I was rereading uh, David Weber John Ringo book uh, March uh, march up country, mm -hmm. and I discovered that they they'd use campaign cartographer to do the maps. <laughs> so look, if professional authors can do it, matey. Uh, 
the the other thing that I, I at least would be interested in, in in a case like this, and in fact I have been um, start started on with some of Doctor Bob's stuff, yeah. is um, adapting an existing system to it. Now this is not something that's saleable, and it's probably something you want to get your fans to do rather than doing yourself. Yeah. But for example, I've I've, I've got a blog post which is okay. You you've got one of Doctor Bob's um, scenarios, which are again systemless. Yeah. And you want to run that under GURPS. Right, well, here is what out of GURPS Ultratech you should, you should have. Here is a sensible tech level to set. Um, I'm working on here is how the spaceships can be built. Mm-hmm. And so if you, you can now hand, hand your players not just you, you are a grunt with a rifle, but you're a grunt with this particular sort of rifle, yeah. which, let's face it, is what a lot of people are going to want. Yeah. I... <sighs> And, and is, is here, here, here is how you do it. In, interestingly, so that this guy is a specialised artillery spotter, and that guy is a specialised heavy weapons guy, and whatever. Is Doctor Bob working from a constant background, or is that... yes, there is a background document as well. It's mm. it's not a huge one. It, it's a few pages. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. A, a, a free a, a free commercial, Doctor Bob. You always a drink next time you see it. <laughs> but yeah, don't expect wonderful. Thing, but organise. What you're releasing sensibly, and um, and what people what people want are places to have adventures and adventures to have things to have in those places. I think. Yeah, I think adventure. It, it's always very tempting to integrate an adventure in excruciating detail into your world, and this is why it's the adventure that could only happen here. Yeah. But if you're selling it separately, mm. you, you're only selling it to people who know who know your world. Oh, those those squaddies adventures can be fit into an awful lot of military SF settings. Basically, as as long as you're still using rifles rather than um, blasters, and even in some cases, if you are using blasters, yeah. as long as you have recognisable tanks and artillery and things, they can be bent to fit. Yeah. But there is a market for detailed stuff that is also a market for bare bones to be expanded stuff. But you, I look at those as two separate lots of people. I must admit. Mm. I, I, yeah. But if I'm going to do bare bones, if I'm going to start with bare bones, I'm going to do it with my own with my own peculiar prejudices and, and settings. Yeah, I, I love complex settings, but usually that means I build them. Yeah, I love setting. I love detailed, flavorful settings, but that means I go out and with my players, I explore and I find them. I must admit, I find RuneQuest, rather, or I should say, Glorantha, intimidating because mm. there is just so much stuff out there, much of which one can't even get anymore. But it, but it's been embedded into the into the um, players. Yeah, look, I have, I have, which, which it is not a problem if you're running a, a small local campaign, where yeah. you know you're a bunch of tribesmen defending your village. But it is a problem if if you know, there's all that fun politics that the GM wants to play with. Mm. And particularly if you if you have a group with people who've been playing it for a while and they're trying to get a new player in, there's an awful lot of stuff there. As I've said before, I've played uh, uh, Empire of the Petal Throne Techumel games with uh, people who know more than I do, and and with me as the GM, that is slightly inti- intimidating. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, people can get the pronunciation right for one thing, <laughs> but no, don't let don't let that that put put you off. Find find what you can. And a lot of the stuff is available now nowadays. A lot of stuff is accessible in PDF. Mm. I, I I really don't think there's anything Glorantham that isn't accessible in PDF. Though you might want, not want to go quite as mad as I do. Hey, fair enough. We 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 wave uh, a good luck and and bon chance uh, to Brett, um, and hope we've given him good advice. Yeah, I, I'd certainly be interested in. in uh, say, I, I'm one of those people who who has read read uh, posts from Brett where he's saying, you know, in in a discussion of something else, yeah. in my setting, I do it this way, and I think this sounds like an interesting setting. I want to read more about it. Okay, you have one count them one potential <laughs> customer, Brett. Let's move on. I started gaming, 
there was a standard where you you were expected to learn. You didn't you know, buy the book and start. That, that no, nobody did that. You heard about role playing from somebody else who was oh, doing it. Yes, the old the old, the old apprentice master thing, where the master didn't know what he was doing either. And that person would run a game, and you would think, "Ah, oh, this is fun. I want to run my own game." And you would buy the books and go on and yeah. bring in more newbies. Uh, I, I found out about it from from somebody at school, and I, I told other people about it. And some of those early books would have been very hard to learn from without help. I think they not impossible. They were, yeah, yeah. yeah I actually, actually, let, let, let's, let us be frank. Uh, uh, white box edition D and D. Yes, it was bloody impossible. It was obscure, badly written, and and relied on other books which you didn't have. Yeah, I occasionally dive into um, electronic copies of some of that early stuff because some, somebody asks a uh, nostalgia question, basically, you know, in, yeah. in the original game, how was this done? And I think, okay, I, I will go in and dig into that. Well, obviously, it doesn't have an index, but it's only 16 pages. How about how hard can it. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't actually answer this question. No, no, why don't. Uh, yeah, the. I think folk memory. Actually, looking for sources there is 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 a mistake. Folk memory, is the is the way to go. But nowadays, uh, there is this wonderful thing called the World Wide Web and the internet, and people keep asking on it. How do I learn? Yeah, though also the books shifted, and you get nineteen eighties role playing games. Well, late later nineteen eighties and uh-huh. early nineteen nineties. Very often, say they they would have that introductory section on what is role playing what is a role playing game uh, it's traditional here, here here is a 10 paragraph example of um, how a pl- how a play session might work yeah which we laughed at but you know, there were people buying them who didn't know what this was yeah they're um, still they're, Roger they are still there they are they are embedded in the culture they're in they're in the 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 copy of the one ring i was reading la- last night and uh why not you have to sort of assume that there are virgins out there, e- e- well, even this, this even if thing. even if your sex advice is is for uh, mostly intended for people with more experience, you have to assume you have to make allowance for virgins. So, it seems to me that the the, the internet has modified things in two ways. Oh. One, it is much easier to meet people who are already gaming. This is probably so. True, if, yeah. if you've heard about this and you you think playing a game might be fun, you can probably find one more easily. Also, it's easier to find out what gaming is. I mean, now, now that the people who were started playing in the late seventies and early eighties have, have got old, old enough that they're allowed to make television programs, mm. it's showing up in it's showing up in a vaguely plausible way in some television programs. Yeah, I, though I do not watch it much myself. Well, all right, apart from tabletop, there is a lot of actual play on the on YouTube. Yeah, I, I, I see that m- more as it, you need already to know roughly what you're looking What you're for. looking at, yeah. I'm thinking more you know, in an episode of Community or The Big Bang Theory, there, there will be mention of role-playing and enough of the basics to that you can see more or less the sort of thing it's about. Do you think... Do you think... Is there, is there a... I've not watched uh, those episodes of The Big... Not much... much. I, I can't bang. watch the Big Bang Theory. I'm going by synopses. It's it's too geek, oh, right. it's too oh, geek to me. In that case, you can't answer the question of is there a, is there an innocent like the like the man in the in in Destination Moon who is who is there by accident so they they can explain all the science to him uh, in Community. No, no. So people are assumed to know what's going on. Yes. Uh huh. Well, sometimes. But it, but even if one didn't, one one could um, you know go and search enough of the words that one could get some vague idea. Yeah, but all right. So, are people? Hang on. Why are we asking this question? Well, what what I'm curious about is that they, they, it, it, it seemed to me, just in terms of the new gamers I met, mm. that that there was a shift from I learned from somebody else to I learned from the books. Partly in my own uh, experience, because while I learned D and D from somebody else, pretty much everything else I've played, I've learned from from books. Well, I the the initial impulse. Um, the, the initial games were learning from somebody else, but and then I went away and I didn't have a group, and so I had to go and find groups and find cl- uh, find clubs and 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 people uh, groups in people's houses, and I had to start running things myself. Yeah. Um, so has has there overall been a shift, and has it shifted back now? And it seems to me the internet could put, could push things either way. 
you can find a game or you can find the books more easily. Well, I think the the questions the questions you get on on internet groups, both those dedicated about both general question asking places and the ones specific to role playing games um the answers always say find yourself a group and see what they do learn from people that's that that's the okay. that's the received wisdom and it's certainly the wisdom i would give um i would I, I wouldn't say go and buy these books immediately because you know people have limited amounts of money and there is an infinite amount of books but you don't there, know there are free games out there but yeah well i think yeah but i don't what I fear when I give that advice is giving people bad habits. Um, I th- I fear. Um, I mean, some some gaming groups are going to give people bad habits as well, mm. and you, but you can't legislate for that. But people get stuck in I misapprehended ideas, and I I worry I worry dreadfully uh, about that. I've not a cut, come across people. Maybe there are some of them listening to us who actually had no group but went out and found the books and did the thing. Um, the the grog, I can't remember if our, our grognar friends uh, their 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 particular story of um, of, of how that works. I think that might be. Yeah, it also occurs to me that people who started just a few years after I did um, might well have come into it via fighting fantasy books. Because those were heavily marketed at people who didn't know anything about role-playing. True. And if if one had played those and then thought, hey, maybe there's more of this stuff out there. Do you get... I, I mean, the thing is, I'm not recruiting people except people just below my own, own age. Uh, my I think my youngest players are in their 40s. Um, and, and most of them are, are, are close to my age. The... Um, are you getting people who have come at it from um, from computer games? Are people getting that that sort of thing? And what what difference does that make? I haven't heard that. Uh, I, mean, I don't interrogate every new player I meet, mm-hmm. of course. Um, I haven't sit heard... down. Shut up. Tell us who you are. I, I haven't heard of people coming in that way. To be fair, the games I run tend to be quite a long way from. The we care a lot about weapon strengths and hit points and things. Yeah. That. All right, computer games are getting away from that, but that's still very much where they're based. It's still where a lot of role-playing is based. Yeah. As, as we say, most, most role-playing is still dungeon bashing. Um, the sort of games I run tend not to be, and I suspect they wouldn't attract somebody who was still in that mindset. Yeah, I, I don't know. There are other um, forms of computer gaming which strike me as being uh, thing, team-based games like uh, XCOM. Actually, would XCOM would, uh, would mm. make a... a and has made, I'm sure, a perfectly plausible basis for um, role-playing games. But yeah, small unit tactics, military SF. Yeah, entirely uh, uh, except that apart, instead of shifting from uh, character A to character B, you are character A until they shovel you into the body bag. I ooh, got a shovel. There's posh. That is a vacuum cleaner for me. <laughs> Uh, don't worry, sunshine. Sunshine will be pop, will be popping your brain recording into the new clone any moment now. The yeah, I don't know how this is a topic. It's an interesting topic, but I'm not sure that we can really answer it. The well, what what I what I want to do is put out a call for our listeners, who are of course an entirely um, non biased sample. Yeah, bollocks. Uh, <laughs> to, 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 to regale us with what they have experienced? Well, yeah, especially you young chaps and chapesses um, out there. Specifically, I think, um, not not just how, how you first started gaming, yeah. though that, that's the primary question, but also whether this has shifted over time for you. And well, that there was certainly a time where it was basically, I, I was the most enthusiastic about role-playing in the group of people I could get involved in role-playing. Yeah. So, if there was a new game to be bought, I would buy it and read it, and then explain it to everybody else. Yeah, I, uh, I, I even now I'm slightly suspicious of other people's tastes in gaming systems. <laughs> I don't trust easily in this in this area. Um, I, I think it is it. There does tend to to be a a a group that focuses on one person. That does tend to be. A, uh, a group with one GM and maybe maybe some 
uh, and maybe some people are willing to take over the stress for a while. I've not seen a group lucky enough to have um, everybody around the table a good and willing GM. I suspect that would be a wonderful luxury. But maybe my ego is getting in the way of me forming such a group. When I started playing, I would say at least until the early 80s, early 90s, I should say, rather, um, it was assumed, at least with the people I knew, that everybody would at least take a turn at GMing sometimes. Mm. Some would be better at it than others. But yeah, I've been gaming for getting on for 10 years before I met anybody who who actually said, no, no, I never GM. Mm. Now that's quite standard. Yeah, well, I've I've had players who say no, no, I'm no good good at that, and I've had players who have tried once. And we've all said no, no, thank you, no, never again. Hey. I am. The it, I I don't know. That is an interesting question about whether whether gaming groups form around GMs or whether GMs are produced by gaming groups. I don't know. I think your Cambridge group is a lot more um, is a lot more inclined for everybody to. Well, it's in that direction, but it's been two of us for over a year now. We haven't done any campaign changeovers. Yeah, but th- Look, those who have in the past, um, it's been three out of five. Off the top of my head, yeah. Well, I think that's 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 high for. Um, I don't know. Is it high or is it or is it? Um... Well, it it felt low to me, but mm. it's clearly high by many people's standards. And in spite of this, um, I've certainly been in groups where where I was going to be the only GM because I was the pe- person who had got the group together in the first place. Yeah, and ev- everybody else was sufficiently either busy or just not not as wildly enthusiastic about gaming as I was that they would come along and play, but they weren't really interested in running. One of the standard pieces of advice I give to people is on the internet who say, how do I get into this? Is to say, go and find yourself a group. And if there isn't one locally, you can find one on the internet. Yeah, there isn't a card in the game shop window anymore. Uh, there isn't a game shop very often. Yeah. Um, and I wonder what life is like for those people who start, whose first experience of gaming is over Skype or something. Um... Is, does that make a, a qualitative difference? That the quality of bonhomie, of uh, fellowship gathered around a table, is stronger and more, and 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 the the interaction of the conversation is easier. All the all the gaming I've done over the internet has been with people who have started out in face to face groups. I'm fairly sure that's true for me as well. I'm fairly sure it's true for 90%, but there have to be people out there who have started out um, on the internet and only later come to uh, uh, Tabletop, and I would I would really like to hear from them if there are yeah, any. Yeah, if, like, if you are somebody like that or you know somebody like that, get them to come and comment. Please. We are basically asking for information here. It's only our idle curiosity, but I think it has implications for the future of the hobby, how we get fresh faces, how we pass it on, because we're not going to be here forever dear listeners um, and how we, how we pass the, the and, and how we generate what I was saying earlier that, that next wave of freshness and enthusiasm and, and challenging of ideas which will almost certainly come from people who, who come in as newbies look at what's there and think, I can do better than that, and one of them is going to be right. <laughs> at, least, be, at least one. Let's be optimistic about that. <laughs> there may be several. Maybe they will have. They will, they will fight the way Newton and Leibniz did about who thought of it first. <laughs> but please, call us tell, us, tell us what's going on out there, because we are two old gentlemen in Buckinghamshire, and we feel slightly isolated.
With that plaintive plea, we bring to an end uh, this month's edition of Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. If you have anything you can contribute to our enlightenment and joy, uh, you can uh, send it to us by commenting on the website or email to podcast at tekeli.ly. And we'll be back again deeper into the autumn next month. Thank you.